I'm Nicole Hogan, the creator of the Daily Telegraph's podcast series, Eight Minutes. Since the launch of the podcast about the unsolved murder of David Breckenridge, we've been inundated with emails and calls. So firstly, thank you for your support. And secondly, I wanted to give you all an update on what's happening with the case and the people involved in the story. I'd like to start by sharing an update on David's parents, Stephen and Karen Breckenridge. I asked them what they think of the 8 Minutes podcast. Oh, I think it's amazing. I, I never expected that this would, would be the result of it. And isn't it fabulous? Because the more people that hear about this story, the more likely we are that somebody may come forward with some information. Um, I'm delighted. I think it's amazing. Well, I think it's outstanding. My, my family, I think, are glued to the audio of, of, of the podcast. Definitely, Nicole. And that's been a wonderful opportunity to, to get the story out there, to express ourselves. And I think um, the lovely young Phil and Georgina and Vanessa... Um, this was and Lady. And, and Robert Laird. This was the first time that they were able to actually have some input into finding um, the person that um, did this to David. And, and I, I think they have been absolutely delighted that they took the step to be involved. They have been very happy with the whole thing, as, as have we. We've opened, so we've, we've been asking for a voice. We've been asking for the police to do this effectively and efficiently in their own private space. Now it's out there in talking with you and uh, coming to understand the empathy you showed for David's situation and, and the undertaking of sensitivity, we decided that we would run with you. So yes, we're after episode three and four went to air, which voices concerns from family and friends about the police investigation, the New South Wales Police Head of Homicide requested an editorial be printed in the Daily Telegraph. Stephen and Karen react to that statement. If they looked at all the bus depots, then they missed David. If they looked at the videos, they missed him, because there is nothing in the... Uh, evidence to the coroner, their evidence to the coroner, that even mentions going and looking at bus depots. And when, when we revealed that to the coroner, John Abernethy's comment was, oh my God, that means you've missed the bus, the video. I am disappointed that we've had to get to this, well, so long after the event, um, that the case has just been sitting on a shelf, not not really being looked at, um, and that we have to go to these lengths this long after to try and get somebody to take some notice and to maybe put some fresh eyes on the case to independently look at all the events, look in the file and find, perhaps find something there to follow up. But... You know, they don't seem to have... I don't know what they must be doing with all these cases. Do they just sit there and wait for somebody to come in the door and say, I did this um, and I've come to confess? So, I, my overall impression is 
We need to go forward. Georgina Noyce, who with her husband Phil were the first ones to find out about David's murder, tell me what their reaction has been to the podcast. Yeah, look, I'm so happy with the podcast. It's unbelievable. I just, there's nothing I think would need changing at all. Yeah, it's just been incredible. The podcast um, we're extremely happy with. More, more happier than I ever thought I would be. I asked Georgina how difficult it was for her to tell her story. Yeah, look, it was really hard, actually, because it does take you back to that place. Um, even though I have to say I have thought about that night quite a lot in my head, but to actually say it out loud and then to hear it, and then not only that, for everyone else to hear it, because I think a lot of people didn't know the detail of what actually transpired throughout that night. So that was quite, um, in a way, comforting because I felt like I wanted people to know that, um, but also really sad because I realised just how um, huge a deal it was, um, especially looking back. Phil and I have had so many calls of support and and what really has been, and which has just meant so much to us, like it's, and especially Phil, like, because I don't think um, he's necessarily talked about it as much as I would have, just being the fact that I'm a female and we talk more. But um, so for him just to have that support from his friends and for me, it's just been uh, priceless. It's been amazing. And they've just said how how sad they felt and the, how they were actually taken to that time again as well. Oh, look, I found it um, really surreal, actually, in a way, especially when I was recording the whole thing. And it's interesting how I could take myself back to that place, um, even nearly 16 years later, um, and actually feel, still remember how we felt at that time. So that was quite interesting. And um, I felt that it was... Uh, just had to be done, like Dave's story had to be told. The whole story of Dave is just so um, bad, so it should have been solved. How does something like this not be solved? And it captures people's attention and where it was, where he was murdered um, and the type of guy he was. And I think people realised that, that he was the type of guy that they, they are. You know, he wasn't anything out of the ordinary, but it could have been anyone. So I find that's probably why people were so drawn to it, because he was a normal guy. I Well, for me, it's just been amazing. I just feel like the podcast has been so clear. It's covered everything. It's really put a good picture on the type of guy he was and also the type of friends he has and how he really was a good soul, a good person, and I even find it better than a paper, because at least a podcast, you can really hear the full story, and um, yeah, I've just been hugely pleased with how it has all developed and come out and found. And what would she like to see happen now? Well, I'd love, in terms of the investigation, I'd love it to be reopened and for fresh eyes to be put on it, basically. I think it deserves that. Rob Laird, one of David's close friends who was confronted by being a suspect in the first few days after his friend's murder, talks to me about his thoughts on the podcast series. Yeah, it's-
Are you ready to get an inside look at crime from someone who has investigated some of Australia's worst crimes? It was like Aladdin's cave. The luminol found bloodied footprints and bloodied handprints on a wall. So it's yeah. just like a horror movie. Former homicide detective Gary Jubilin sits down with cops, crims, addicts, victims, small-time cheats, and big-town lawyers as they tell their incredible stories. My house got raided. Next thing you know, I got bail refused. Next thing you know, I'm on a truck yeah. to Parkley Prison. Listen to to I Catch Killers early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts today or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's been a rough... It's good. We're good. Um, this week much better than last week. It was pretty rough early on last week. Certainly the first two days. The first two episodes were very raw, very grueling. Um, and just to have that scar reopened was pretty tough. And I think... Uh, Everyone that had been involved in the podcast got in touch with each other in those couple of days and sort of offered a lot of support. But it was difficult, you know, compared to, say, when you actually lose someone and you, all your family and friends get together and grieve and you share that. In this instance, I don't think anyone really necessarily wanted to involve people if they didn't need to be involved. And so you were very much more alone. Yeah, it was weird hearing my voice. I think that's probably the context. Probably everyone said that too. But... um yeah, I, I think it was, it was just as bad. It was just as full on hearing George and Lloyd's voice as for my own, you know. Like, um, just and just hearing that the retelling of the events. Because those first two episodes are very much retelling of the events as they happened and from our words. And it was really hard revisiting that. I was very low on those first couple of days and just stuck again with the just the, the hopelessness of the situation at that, at that point. And that's sort of where we've been at for the last 15 years. And that's what we've had to come to grips with and put in a box and put it on a shelf and not have to take it out again. And this process was pulling that box down that you didn't think you'd have to approach again and reliving it, you know, like not getting us any further in the story than what we'd got to when we came to grips with it 12 years ago. What I found really encouraging and what we're, we're, we're in a different place now is that is the way the next three episodes introduce stuff that maybe we didn't know about or, or even put it into an order that you don't put into your own head. It's just a, about my own recollection of a lot, a lot of those things that you brought out in those next three days, I think I knew about in, in isolation, but it never had it put to me in a, in a sensible order and gave me a lot more to consider and think, OK, there is something there and... I don't know, the last three episodes maybe introduced more hope that there's a purpose to this <laughs> than, uh, than maybe the first two where I just felt quite hopeless from it. So really, I mean, the point is that that we exhaust every avenue, that there's no stones left unturned. I think I said a couple of things there to that, that effect, that it was, that was the real, that's the real key. And, um, you know, I hope that's... The case, even for ourselves, and to know all that information now, we can try and unturn, you know, look under those stones just amongst our, you know, our own circle of friends, whereas previously, you know, some of that stuff you just didn't know. David's former girlfriend, Vanessa, shares how she felt when she saw the CCTV vision of David filmed just minutes before his murder. I just want to go back through time and stop him. I find that really hard to watch. Yeah, I don't like watching that CCTV footage. I mean, he just comes in and he just... It's interesting watching the way that he moves. Like, I remember that, you know, Dave's just Dave and 
having a chat at the bar and leaning on the bar and then holding on and leaning back. He just looks like him. Oh, God. He's going to jump through the camera and say, just stop, mate, or just sit down and have a beer or don't go. It's very hard to watch. Everyone who agreed to participate in the podcast revealed information that was difficult and challenging to articulate. Vanessa tells me how she's feeling about it now. Um, I mean, I think it, it's, been, it's been quite hard like to take sort of your most confusing, terrible pain and, and talk about it to somebody that you, that you don't know initially and then actually have it put out there on, on the public stage for everybody to know. Um, and there's people in my life who don't know this story. I stopped talking about how he died. So it's kind of intrusive and confronting to have it out there. But I, you know, for such a long time, have wanted to get on the biggest hill and, and bang the biggest drum for him because I feel like this story really deserves it. And so I feel like, you know, you and the Daily Telegraph have given us that opportunity. I've just had to really remember it's not about me. I'm not, um, I'm not embarrassed of him. I'm extremely proud of him. I'm not embarrassed of how he lived or, or how he died. So, you know, it's been really hard, but it's not for me. I mean, I, I just think it's been amazingly done. I think it's been so respectful and and sensitive. So in kind of the weirdest of ways, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I feel relieved because I feel like this story should have been told a long time ago. I feel incredibly hopeful that the police will do some positive things now and that it will land eventually with the people who know something and I, you know, pray it weighs so heavily on them. Um, so I feel really positive about it. As, as much as it's been, you know, there have been tears shed, um, I, I feel really positive about it. One thing Vanessa would like to come out of this series is that more people are compelled to stop if they see an altercation or something happening where someone could be in trouble. It's such a busy road. There are so many cars. There are, there are lights. It's not far from a, uh, from a red light. Uh, it's across the road from a massive hospital. It just makes no sense. How did that happen there and nobody saw anything? Oh. Yeah, I think, you know, I know that Phil and George and I all feel, you know, obviously the same as those parents, but what an amazing person Helen is, that she was so brave to stop. And it was quite complicated for her to stop, and she was the only person who stopped. Just thank God she did. Yeah, and I, I understand that people are scared to stop and, you know, people carry weapons and, um, you know, everyone just wants to go home. But I've often thought, what would I do, you know, if I had, had seen that happening and, you know, like I would like to think I would have done what Helen had done. I certainly would have pulled up and leaned on the horn as loud as I could 
if if there were people still there, I mean, yeah, you, you've got to be, be the person who stops. Oh, Dave. I think he would be, you know, he would be embarrassed at the attention, but I also think he'd be super proud of us. Now, family and friends wait to hear from the police. I will give an update on any aspect of the police investigation that I'm able to. In the meantime, if anyone has any information about what happened to David Breckenridge, please email 8minutes at dailytelegraph.com.au. Thanks again for making 8 Minutes the number one podcast in Australia. The podcast Faith on Trial looks into Hillsong, both in Australia and the U.S., and takes both the listener and hosts on unexpected twists and turns in the story of Brian Houston and the singing preachers. There are two incidents involving Pastor Brian. The Australian journalists uncovered a litany of alleged criminal behavior in the megachurch. Financial gifts were being given to the leaders of the church. Listen to Faith on Trial Hillsong ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts today or wherever you get your podcasts.